Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Lord, we thank you so much for this special evening that we can share together. Thank you for for not only being here as one of us sitting and waiting for something to happen, but stirring in our hearts your truth. Lord, thank you so much for um, for revealing yourself to us. Thank you so much for for um, stirring your words, stirring your truth in our hearts, so we can understand it. Thank you so much for. Um, for just spending this time being able to say Jesus out loud and honoring you. We are looking forward to what it is that you would like to share with us this evening, Lord. And we, we pray a special patience and we pray a special openness in our hearts to receive what it is that you would like to impart into our lives this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, it feels like I had four hands because I didn't have to hold a mic and it felt like I need to, to go like this the whole time and vanavond hou ek weer een microfoon vast, so, so I have, I, I'm, I'm a bit back to, to what I'm used to. But um, welcome everyone, my name is Henny, for those of you that don't know. Say hello Henny. Hello Jelle. Jylle kyk my so aan as of ek jylle nou net voorgestel het. Um, it's so awesome to be here. We are busy in a, in a sermon series at this stage, speaking about 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1 to 4, and this morning, and, and in my preparation, when I prayed about this evening and, and today's sermon, um, it, there was a moment where I said, Lord, it's been, I think this, it's already five, five weeks or six weeks already that we've preached on this specific portion of scripture and it's four verses. So um, I don't think if we are ever going to get out of, <laughs> out of this specific portion of scripture. But um, every time there's some specific light that's being shined in our hearts in terms of the truth that, that God is busy with something. And... Um, the specific piece we're going to focus on tonight and our topic for, for this evening is in his light. In his light, in the light of him. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 1 to 4. I'm not going to read, read all of the scriptures now, but um, the part that I would like us to focus on in, in verse 3. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, there's no need die in a nog nie, gaan nou by hom um, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. There's something that constantly want to take our eyes off of Jesus. As soon as, as soon as we've had some special time in prayer, or as soon as we worshipped, or as soon as we spent time in scripture, or as soon as whatever, and we stand up, almost with immediate effect, there's something that wants to take our eyes off of Jesus. And there's a very specific reason for that. 
Um, over the last few weeks, we've been speaking about the, the true Jesus, Holy Spirit, the gospel, and the church. And, and um, last week, Vian spoke about the purpose of man, especially with the focus on us as the church, how we minister to God, how we minister to believers, and how we minister to the world what that looks like and, and kind of in that order, minister to God, minister to believers and minister to the world. And he asked a few questions in the last two sermons that was quite interesting and I would like to use that tonight as an introduction and I just want to keep your thoughts processing instead of just sitting back and um, I had this experience this morning of, of someone hearing a, a message kind of seeing what they can remember about the message and then positioning them to go later tonight or tomorrow or during your quiet time or whatever and then go process. So tonight I want to ask you to not do that. Tonight I want to ask you to, as we progress, allow the questions and allow the scripture to shine a light and to reveal what it is that God wants to say to you tonight. Because if for a moment you sit back in your mind or in your heart or whatever and you position yourself to later spend time with God, something is going to go missing. So keep in step, stay in the moment and let's see what God wants to say. So the three questions I would like us to, to, to speak about as an introduction is, he said, do you believe God saved you to be with him and enjoy him for his glory? Do you believe that God saved you to just be with him? Be with him, enjoy him for his glory. Do we believe, the second question, that we do what we do because we are who we are? Meaning, is there an identity that drives our actions? Or do we do what we do and therefore we are who we are? Now that's a very interesting question. The moment you start thinking about that, um, you can kind of go down a, down a rabbit hole. Because the moment you start thinking, what do I do and how does it affect my identity, it's scary how far it goes. If we think about that God saved us to just spend time with him and be with him and from a place of intimacy and the knowledge of him, there's certain works that will flow from that. It, it looks in one way. I mean, you can imagine if, if Jesus and me start a journey together and we walk, my, my works are going to look in one specific way. But the moment I use my works, my life, the things that happen, that's happening around me, and I'm using that to determine my identity, it looks completely different. And we see that all around us, and we are very confronted with that. We are very confronted by what we wear. We are very confronted by the type of car we drive. We are very confronted by the type of house we stay in. We are very confronted, maybe tonight, about the balance in in our check account. Very real mirrors that's, that's pulled up 
and, and we're seeing ourselves in it and we are very tempted to be defined by it. So easily. So question tonight, is my intimacy with Jesus defining my works or is my works and what's happening around me defining me? The last question and then we're going to tonight's scripture is do we believe that all we need we can learn from Jesus as our example, especially how to be a disciple and how to disciple those around us in love. I'm going to say that again. Do we believe that all we need we can learn from Jesus as our example, especially how to be a disciple and to disciple those around us in love? So as we speak about the purpose of church, as we said, firstly, it's about to minister to God. And when I say church, I don't mean an institution or a denomination. I mean the body of Christ, someone that, that's walking in intimacy with Jesus, someone that saved the body of Christ, a believer. To minister to God, to minister to believers, which Fian spoke about last week, the last two weeks. Tonight we're speaking about to minister to the world. To minister to the world. So speaking about works, it kind of feels as if it's drawing us towards a place where there's certain things that has to happen. There's certain things that we need to do. There's certain things that we need to say. And I would like us to do that in the light of three questions that I would like us to answer throughout the evening. The first one is, what is this ministry? The second one is, why do we do this ministry? And the third one is, how? What? Why? And how? If we can determine that, we would probably have a very good idea to measure if what we are busy with actually brings life or not. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 to, th- 1 to 6. Interesting, um, the heading of that specific portion of Scripture is the light of the gospel. Um, and I just love it. The moment I read it, I just felt this is so special. In the Afrikaans, it says, Jesus, die enigste onderwerp. Jesus Christus, die enigste onderwerp. The light of the gospel. Let's read. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory 
of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Therefore, having this ministry. So when I started praying about this, I immediately was drawn to, to two or three specific things that I could identify with. The one is, ministry to me always seems like something that, that entails a certain drive or a certain passion. Something that I'm driving towards. Some, someone or something or somewhere I need to go, someone I need to reach or whatever. And the first experience I had with, with that was in Service Year for Christ. So for those of you that don't know, um, when I was in matric, I had no idea what I was going to do and I only later realized why, but that's a story for a different evening. Um, and my dad came to me one evening and he said, you are going to service here for Christ and you are leaving, ugh, I think it was like two or three days later. And I'm like, okay, what's, what's that? What are we going to do? Where are we going? And I says, no, just pack your stuff. You should, and I, and I didn't know how much or whatever, so I started packing my clothes and whatever. Just for those of you that, that feels very sorry for me, why my dad wasn't deserting me and shipping me off to some sort of whatever. Um, I was okay. I'm still standing here today and I'm not twitching or anything. I, I made it. I'm, I'm still alive. But, um, so here I was on the bus going to service here. No idea what it's about. And um, the moment I got there, they started with training. And the moment I started the training, I realized this is a very Christian place. Um, and, and me knowing what, what I knew about the Bible or about Christians or about ministry was what I saw in the church. And I was counting um, ducktails up to that time. I had no idea what was going on. And I had more or less an idea of where Psalm 23 is, like the is my harder. And, and I kind of recited that because I felt this is going to pull me through. That was just my, that was my antwoord. And, um, and they started the training and, and I thought, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to make this. And, uh, and after a while they said, okay, we are going to divide everyone into smaller groups and then you're going to get into a combi and you're going to drive to a different place and we'll tell you where. And then you're going to, going to start minister to schools. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. This is literally what happened. I had no idea what's going on. So <clears throat> I got into a combi. And because I was the guy at the time that made jokes and, and um, I visited with everyone, I had no idea what was busy happening. So I just thought I might as well like make the best of this. And... Um, I got into the combi and we were like eight people driving to Gauteng and, and I found myself in a Service Year for Christ adventure team. So there I was going to a primary school and because I was the one speaking and making jokes with everyone, they handed me the mic on the first occasion and said, go, open. And I was like, what? Open, where, what? No, it's like this training you just had, like open. And I was like, okay, when, where? And they're like, no, in like 15 minutes. So we got to the school. It was a primary school. I can't even remember what it was. And, um, and they said to me, okay, it's your turn. Go, just tell us what to do. And I was like, what? what? So I ended up on stage and, and um, there was like 800 or how many kids ever. And uh, I had to speak about someone that I barely knew. I've heard of Jesus and I've heard of a ministry and I've heard of the gospel and I've heard of whatever, but I had no idea who he is. I didn't have any experience in my heart about that. And what I had to learn 
whether what I did was working or not is the frowns I received, even from primary school kids, like, hello, it's volt, ne? You must pass up for the school canners if you're standing and speaking to them, like, they are very honest. Says, they, don't, they don't take any prisoners. So I, um, I stood there and I was busy ministering to them and I learned the hard way what that was about and I did it for three years. So as I went on, I was almost... What is this gescoors? This is mist. It's a rover word as this mist. It's weggejaagd. So for three, for three times in my first six months of service here for Christ, they almost, what did you say? Expelled. Is this just die, is dit soos verwerp wegjaag? Soos jaag jou weg en ek wil jou nooit, is that like the word? Okay, so that is what they wanted to do with me for three times. They even called me to whatever the principal's office version is of service here for Christ. And uh, they wanted to tell me, please, wherever you go, never come back. And, um, and I got to know Jesus in that time, but it was a very low, rough learning curve. If you think of, of this ministry that you see here, therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God, do not lose heart. I mean, that was like the complete opposite of what I was busy experiencing. In fact, school solar, you know, the stage is, is elevated also. So you're not only standing in front of people, you're like elevated and you kind of look down at people and they kind of look up at you and you know, it, was, it was horrible. So... I survived that, getting to know Jesus, and it was one of the most special times ever for me. I think for some of the personnel, it, it, I think they were ready to retire after I was there in the first year, but they also made it. I had the opportunity to, to repent towards them somewhere during this time. The second time I thought about ministry was when, um, when I was, what's this, Baruch? I was called to my first um, congregation as a youth leader. And uh, spending time with kids up to that specific point in time, seeing like a thousand kids on a weekly basis. So you would see kids for a week and, and then you would go to a different town or school or whatever. And, and then you'd see a different 800 or 1,000 kids and then you would go to a different school and see. So I did that for three years. So when I, when I got to, to the first church and they said, okay, we're going to appoint you. You're going to stay in one place. You're going to speak to the same kids week after week, I was like, I have no idea how this is going to work. So what I did was I, I took all of the lessons that I've learned in service here, getting to know people, and I spread it out like really far. And it took me three months to go through what I would normally go through in a week. So I, I took every day that I would normally spend with the school, and I just pulled it out, and, I, and it took me three months. And after that three months, and the kids kept coming back, so after three months, I had no idea what to tell them because <laughs> um, the, the gospel I knew or the ministry I knew was like finished. Eh? It's, like, it's like after a Sunday evening service, my English is finished. So um, I, I, got to, I got to the third month and I felt, Lord, by, like, do you feel it good what I would say for you? It's like it's, it doesn't last. It's finished. I don't know what to say. And I had to really learn how to minister to kids if I don't um, move from one school to a different school on a weekly basis. Then I had to learn if the kids keep on coming back, like how do normal life work in ministry? And when I read this, this first portion of scripture, 
And I would like us to go there quickly. The ministry. This ministry. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1 to 2. Therefore having this ministry. By the mercy of God. We do not lose heart. But we have renounced this graceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning. Or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth. We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. With this point, we're going to answer the what question. Remember, we are going to answer what, why, and how. What, firstly, this ministry. Do you know that you have a ministry? Did it sink in? Yet, that as you are sitting here, you have a ministry. You are busy living a ministry. According to scripture, as a believer or as a non-believer, the only difference is the one knows it and the one not. You have a ministry. So to help us to let that sink in, I want you to understand tonight that if you think back over the last, I don't know how far back you can remember, but let's make it easy. The past two or three days. What did your ministry look like? Did you realize that you have a ministry? And what did your ministry look like? So what I want us to do is I want us to read this scripture, but I want you to read it as if you are reading it for yourself. So we're going to do this a few times because even this morning it took a while. It's going to work more or less something like this. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, I do not lose heart, but I have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. I refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, I would commend myself to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So I would like you to read that quickly. But I want you to really think about what you're saying. Because as a believer in Jesus, this is true for you so please just don't read it only in your mind you can like say it softly so you can hear it also okay so your lips must move and you you must say it at least softly for yourself okay and put your own name i me in that sentence i'm going to give you a moment Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, I do not lose heart, but I have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. 
I refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, I would commend myself to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We have received a ministry by the mercy of God and because it's a ministry that we receive by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We refuse to practice cunning. What is cunning? Cunning is a crafty way of saying things. Not necessarily true. In most cases, not true. Cunning, using scripture, using words, using truth in a way that kind of brings a shade to it. Cunning, tampering with God's word. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So what, what do we do? We have this ministry. All of us. None of us are excluded by this. Every single one of us as a believer in Jesus have this ministry. And I know that as you are sitting here, you have experienced in the part that you notice certain things that maybe someone next to you don't notice. There's a certain thing that stirs your heart when you, when you deal with certain people on a specific age, for example, or in a specific place. There's something that happens in you, and it's kind of a stirring. And I want you to take note of that, because that is the ministry that you received by the mercy of God. Do not lose heart while this takes shape. And we're going to spend some time in prayer after tonight and really pray into this practically. We get to the second question tonight. Why? So we've seen what? This ministry? Why? The second point tonight is if the gospel is veiled. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 to 4 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. All of us, Notice people like this in our lives. By not understanding that we received a ministry by the grace of God, we completely misinterpret the people that God has put around us. Why? Have you ever asked yourself or asked someone next to you that you got to know fairly well, what in the world did that person think when they did that? How is it possible that they can do that to a child, to a dog, to their marriage partner, to their boss, to their employee? How is it possible that they can do that? 
noticing an unbeliever blinded. And what do we do? We do not understand that we have received the ministry by the mercy of God. So we judge. Kind of draw a line and say, I will not be spending time with that person anymore. I will not be found in that circles anymore. I need to distance myself from there because something is wrong with that person. And at least that part is accurate. Something is wrong. What's wrong? They are perishing. They are blinded by the God of this world. They are unbelieving. And he's keeping them from seeing the light of the gospel. We have received the ministry by the mercy of God for the people that's perishing who are unbelievers and cannot see the light of the gospel. So I, when I started thinking and praying about this, I immediately had this experience of Okay, so next time I'm seeing someone, I'm going to take the time to, instead of jumping to a conclusion, just take a moment and say, okay, God, what do I need to do? And I'm so happy that the next portion of this scripture takes us there. The last point for tonight, and then we're going to get practical with this. Let there be light. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5 to 6. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He came to call us from darkness, from being blinded into light. Seeing in a very simplistic way, many of what's going on inside of us, but seeing the face of Jesus, knowing the one who saved us. So when I prayed about this, I kind of had this, this idea of my heart being a, a room and seeing that, that scripture so often and, and God himself um, how can I say, uses the symbol and, and the way of a marriage to, to describe this. I kind of had this idea of a, a man, a husband and his wife moving in together after being married for the first time. So um, when, I, when I started praying into this, I kind of had this idea and, and although I, I've only heard of stories like this, um, many a times a husband would leave the house for the day and then come back and find the house in a completely different state as what he left it in after being married. And um, I remember, like I say, someone telling me, which was not my wife or my house at all, but me thinking when I got home, um, 
I never even knew we had a pink duvet. Now we do. Um, I remember, I remember getting home once, and and uh, yeah, my wife was so was so excited. I, uh, we had a two and a half seater couch at the time. It was something we bought just before we went on honeymoon. And when I got there, she bought uh, what seemed like the half of Mr. Price's scatter cushions and and tried to fit it onto the two and a half seater couch. Um, I would. I would, for example, never know so many scatter cushions could fit on a two and a half seater couch, um, which was which was very funny. Apart from the fact that we had nowhere to sit, okay, so a lot of things changed. Um, this morning, when I when I um, accidentally put my key in my right pocket, um, I was ready to ready to take the key from my. Brooks paper owner because there was a hole in my in my pocket and when I put my pants on this this morning or when I put it in there I felt that it's not falling through so someone miraculously fixed my my pants pocket um, I've read on Facebook also which is not happening in our house that um, that there's miracle tables in a house after you get married so what would happen is you would put dirty dishes and stuff on a specific table in your house and then when you get there again it's gone. Right? Washed, put in the cupboard and, uh, and all of the clothes that's laying on the floor miraculously finds its way to wherever it needs to be and when I get there again it's, it's put away. So if you need a miracle table we have one. Okay? So when I, when I prayed into this, I, I kind of had this idea that the moment we are saved and God moves in, I start to see things that I've never seen before. And not all of it is fun. We kind of get a fright from time to time as God shines his light in our hearts. So we see the light coming on and, and we experience this, what's going on. And the moment we stare into, into the light, scripture says, we see Jesus. We see the reason why the light is shining in us. And what we tend to do as Christians, because we are so driven for works, we sometimes and oftentimes still today find ourselves in a place where we where we kind of use salvation as a means to an end. Brown said it so well last week. He said we think about the gospel from time to time as the A to, A to C of Christianity. But in fact it's, it's the A to Z. It's the whole message. It's the everything. Jesus himself. The everything. The begin, the middle and the end of everything. So the moment we start thinking about life. And we start to act in a way that we would think seem good as Christians, we take our eyes off Jesus. For a while we can maintain what we thought we were supposed to do and the calling that we've had, the ministry that we had, to the person that we thought we should minister to, but it kind of dries up. Why? Because we took our eyes off of him. The single focus of being saved, Jesus Christ, the beginning and end of our salvation. As we get to know him, we learn to hear his voice, 
We learn to respond to the way that he teaches us. And as we look at his face and we, we live in this light, he shines the light from time to time on stuff that he would like to heal us from. But as we include him in every prayer, we keep on putting our focus on him instead of what we are supposed to do. The how. I just want us to read that scripture again. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5 to 6. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As we pray through these three points tonight, I want us to specifically stand still and react to this. Ministry unto the world, even ministry unto believers. And I want you to be able to in prayer consider how do I experience my ministry? Because you have one. We've, we've spoken about that. Something that was given to you by the grace of God. How do I experience my ministry? And tonight I don't want us to, to think about this only as a vague idea or whatever. I want us to be specific. Because as you are sitting here, the longer time you spend wasting the ministry that God has given to you, there is a world perishing. There is someone blinded, living life without the light of the gospel. Without the light of Jesus Christ in their lives. How do I experience my ministry? The second thing I would like us to pray through is, how do I respond to unbelievers? So when I notice people around me that's doing things that's really not Christian-like, do I, from a place of pride, condemn, judge? Have I ever considered that a person blinded can only live a kind of life that they are able to see, that they are able to perceive. How, how fair is it of us to ask an ungodly person to in some miraculous way live a godly Christian-like, Christian character-like life? <laughs> How's that possible? Do we really, when we see people around us, realize that this person might be blinded? And me judging them has no positive influence on their lives whatsoever. How do I respond as a believing person in Jesus Christ, use the light that was shown in my, in my heart, to stir and motivate someone else in the light of Jesus, getting to know the person of Jesus Christ. 
so their eyes can be opened and they can see him. The last question I would like us to pray through um, to pray through is, do I allow the light of God to shine in me to know Jesus? Do I allow the light of God to shine in me so I can know Jesus? Because the light that shines in me's intention is not to show me all the growth areas in my life. Because that, that could be really hard to face, right? Can you imagine if the light of God would shine in our hearts, revealing every sin, every growth area in our lives, every place that we still need to be transformed only? And according to scripture, that's not what happens. He shines his light in us so we can see him, so we can see his face. So we're going to go into a practical time now. And I want you, please, to help us help you stir your ministry. So we've put small books like this. I almost said everywhere. It's obviously not everywhere because you can't see it anywhere here. But there's a lot of them on the tables at the back. And I want you to prayerfully consider what is the ministry that God is busy stirring in you? What is the ministry that he gave you and in what way can we help you? We can help you in terms of, of defining your ministry. We can help you discern what your next step is. Or we can give you an opportunity to start living in that ministry. If you, for example, say, listen, I have a passion for to, to serve and to, to minister to high school kids, for example, we can take you with. If you have a passion for prayer, we can take you with as we go pray. And I'm only using examples. It can be whatever. and It doesn't need to be sorted out. We just want you to understand firstly that you have a ministry that was given to you by the grace of God. So you can shine the light on someone else as it was shown in your heart so they can see Jesus Christ. So I want you to write down on the, on the front of every book, it says what we need, and I want you to prayerfully consider this. So if we are doing this right, all of us should spend a time at the back writing what we perceive as our ministry. And, and if you are willing to, please also write down how we can support you, how we can enable you. The second thing is how do I respond to unbelievers? As we prayerfully consider this question, I want you to please Think of the people that, that you regularly kind of look down on as if they were supposed to know. As if they were supposed to be able to live a Christian-like life without having Christ. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit for specific prayer of salvation for them. I want you to trust God to stir in your heart the passion to pray for their salvation. So the light that was shown in your heart will also be in their hearts so they can see Jesus. If you tonight need prayer, if you very specifically can identify an area of your life that seems dark and dull and unsure, even if you were never in a place where you've ever accepted God's light and God's salvation into your lives, 
please allow us to pray with you. In the flip side of the coin of not having someone pray for you, I've, I've had an awesome discussion um, with a special friend during the week saying, you know, the, the, the weird thing about us not asking deep, intimate questions means that we would probably not get the answer. If we are never honest with ourselves saying, I don't feel like I have a light shining in me. I don't see the face of Jesus in my life. What better time to have someone pray for you than right now? Otherwise, when? Hoping that you will still have time in the future to meet Jesus and be saved. And it might not be salvation. It might be a place that you feel this is really an area of my life that I'm really struggling and battling with. I'm really battling in this area. I'm not seeing Jesus in this. I need someone to pray with me. Please don't leave. Pray with us. Allow us to pray with you. Allow us to serve you. Allow us to, to ask the Holy Spirit to also open your eyes and take away the blinds so you can see.